0: welcome to the inbox on this series we're chatting to decision makers and prospects about what their inbox actually looks like and how to stand out in it so let's crack on with this you're about to hear from kyle coleman from clary who you've probably seen all over your linkedin he shares some pretty wizardry posts around all things prospecting and here's a little snippet of what to expect from this episode
1: i think it's really important that you do this like go and talk to if you're selling to uh, you know, a more technical persona, data analysts or data engineers, go talk to them, go talk to the folks internally at your company. I guarantee they're there and say, Hey, where do you spend time? What do you find interesting? What would you respond to? Would you respond to this? Is this message interesting to you? And do some research yourself, like be proactive about it. That was, I mean, that is the number one way that I have found success in any sort of outbound effort.
0: So you're about to hear from someone who gets absolutely slammed with sales messages and shares exactly how to book meetings with not just him, but other sales leaders that he talks to. So thanks for joining the episode, and I'm super excited for you to hear some juicy nuggets from Carl. So let's do this. I want to know what your inbox looks like. You're pretty senior at the Clary, so I can imagine you get pretty drowned with messages on LinkedIn, etc., but... What does your inbox look like today? And by inbox, I mean your phone, LinkedIn, as well as email.
1: Okay. So, my, I'm pretty, I'm pretty crazy about my email inbox. I keep it as clean as possible. I treat it like a to do list. And so, my email inbox is almost always, say, under 20 emails, but hopefully it's closer to zero. So, I don't have too hard a time keeping up with the emails that I get. I would say I get probably somewhere between 3 and 10 cold emails a day from an individual salesperson or an individual SDR. I get about double that of marketing emails, which are frankly more annoying to me than SDR emails are. So email for me is is pretty easy to keep up with, although I think I'm a little bit unusual. I think a lot of the VP and C level people just let their email inbox, just get it to this unmanageable place. You know, I've seen people share their screen and have 40,000 unread emails. And it actually, it makes me anxious. Like, how do you live life like this? So maybe I'm not the best person to talk to about, about email. LinkedIn for me is a disaster zone. Like I cannot keep up with messages on LinkedIn. There's just no way to organize, set reminders, do all the things that I would do in my email inbox. And so it's, it's hard for me, but what stands out in both forums, my email inbox and my LinkedIn are video messages and voice messages. So if you're sending me a video message on, uh, via email, I will watch it because I know for the most part that you've taken the time to do something relatively personalized. And similarly on LinkedIn, there's not a way that I'm aware of to batch send voice messages uh, via the, the, now you have to be connected with somebody to send a voice message. So I'll say another thing that sticks out to me on LinkedIn is if you've engaged with me, if you've engaged with my content in some meaningful and genuine sort of way, if you connect with me and don't try and sell me that second, but yeah. you know, you play a little cool, uh, that actually stands out. And then I know your name. Like I know, like you reached out to me, Charlotte. And I was like, I know you because I see you post stuff all the time. I see you comment on stuff all the time. And I know that you care about this stuff. And so do I want to talk to you? Yes, I want to talk to you because I feel like we I kind of know you already. Um, So I would say video messages, LinkedIn messages, and then having some, manufacturing some relationship with them by actually talking to them or engaging with them uh, however you can on social is, is a good way to do it.
0: I had someone else who said the exact same thing. They were like, chill out. Like as soon as you accept, don't pitch me. Like just wait, like engage with things, chill out a bit and then go for the ask later on when the person's more familiar with you. So it's interesting. That's the second time it's uh, been noticed. Have you noticed a change since, like you mentioned, like not as many on email, but quite a lot on LinkedIn. Have you noticed a change since kind of everything went remote? Did it increase on LinkedIn or has it just always been that crazy?
1: Yeah, it's a good question, Charlotte. I I think LinkedIn has been pretty crazy for a long time. um, Ever since... Some wonderful companies like SalesLoft and Outreach started yeah. building in LinkedIn touches into yeah. cadences and yeah. sequences. Things started to go a little bit crazy. And then, of course, there are these um, automation outfits that just pump out automated emails, and LinkedIn started selling automated in emails as an advertising tactic. So I think LinkedIn has started to get a little bit noisier over the years. But um, again, it's not unmanageable, and there are still ways to stick out, as we just talked about. So I don't want to discourage anybody. From using LinkedIn because I think it can and, and should oh, yeah, be yeah. powerful. Like a, a lot of a lot of folks uh, approach outbound with uh, the mindset that's not super productive, and they think I have to get a, if I don't get a response to this piece of outreach, I'm doing something wrong. That's not right. Yeah. A lot of times, what you're doing is you're just trying to build fami- familiarity. You're trying to what I call manufacture warmth because you're reaching out to them cold, and if you're just manufacturing a little bit of warmth there's a little bit of familiarity with your product or service every time you touch them via email, via phone, the video message you're sending, LinkedIn, direct mail, if you can send it, they're not going to respond to everything. It takes somebody, I think somewhere between seven and 12 touches before they even remember your name. And so that's the goal here. Your goal is to soften them up a little bit, manufacture this warmth, and ultimately get a response at some point but just because you are doing something and people say this all the time about leaving voicemails. Like, well, nobody ever calls me back. Why would I leave a voicemail? Like, cause you're not leaving voicemails with a st- in a strategic way. Yeah, you should exactly. be leaving voicemails to direct them back to something that's easier to respond to. And if you're leaving a voicemail to say, hey, I just shot you this email. You're trying to do this, this, and this. think we might be able to help. Or I think we might find value in the discussion. Check your inbox. That's a useful touch. And that takes 10 seconds to say. Yeah. So don't tell me that that kind of strategy is not useful. You have to think about your outbound as a comprehensive set of activities, not just the one-off things. And you can't dismiss any single tactic because you have to do them all in order to have that relationship with the person that you're reaching out to.
0: Yeah. you a manufacturing warmth. I love that. I, I see it as the same, like my goal from reaching out to my prospects isn't to necessarily book a meeting. I want them to be curious about me, almost like I'm a marketer. I want them to be like, okay, who is this Charlotte Johnson and who is the sales love company that I'm getting messages from so you're right just because you're not necessarily getting a lot of replies from for example in mail or from the voicemails you're leaving it doesn't mean that that's not necessarily leaving an impression on that person you also spoke about standing out and you said about voice notes and you talked about video messages how many are you actually getting
1: very few so, very few. I would say I maybe and I'll not even by day because I don't get one every day. I would say maybe one to two video messages per week and they're almost always from video vendors. Yeah. You know, from Vidyard or from you know some some vendor like that. And then voice messages on LinkedIn a handful every month.
0: Really? And
1: yeah, it just I just don't get them and they're interesting and they're engaging and they're fun and like I like I like them and they're easy to listen to. They're easy to respond to. Um, so, I actually end up having kind of voice back and forth with people. They send me a voice thing. I listen to it on a walk with the dogs or something like that. And I shoot yeah. the voice thing back. Like, it's kind of fun. Um, so, I would say try it. I, I, you know, I'm, again, probably more receptive to SDR and AE outreach than 99% of, of the population, but it's different. It stands out. It shows that you are a human behind. Yeah. You know the the digital forum, so give it a, give it a try. Anything that puts your face to something, anything that puts your voice to something, is a worthwhile use of your time.
0: Yeah, and if it's standing out from the many many emails and the many messages on LinkedIn that you're getting, it's definitely worth right. it. And it's not going to be amazing at first either. Like my first voice note was a bit of a disaster. I was like, hi, it's Charlotte from South. I was all nervous. I didn't sound like me. I was really formal and you just get used to it over time. So just to know your first one will probably be really cringy when you listen back to it again. Almost
1: <laughs> well, definitely. And I'll say one other thing is this is not just my opinion. Like our, our entire executive team, our, C, our C-suite and our VPs, they all send me the things that they find engaging, that they find interesting, that SDRs are sending them. And almost without fail, Charlotte, it's these two things. It's, they just said, like, our chief customer officer sends me a video and says, hey, just wanted to let you know, this person sent me a video and I watched it. Like, oh, okay, data point, good to know. And similarly, our VP of sales sends me, the, or shows me a screenshot of the LinkedIn message. Hey, can we do, do we do this? I'm like, can we do this? Um, so I'm, in my opinion is an aggregation of what I'm hearing from other execs, what our team is finding successful and what I personally believe is successful, what I personally respond to. So I don't wanna make it seem like this is
0: just my
1: opinion, although ultimately I guess it is, um, but this is me reading other signals from, from other folks. And I think it's really important that you do this, like go and talk to, if you're selling to uh, you know, a more technical persona, data analysts or data engineers, go talk to them, go okay. talk to the folks internally at your company, I guarantee they're there and say, hey, where do you spend time? What do you find interesting? What would you respond to? Would you respond to this? Is this message interesting to you? And do some research yourself. Like be proactive about it. That was, I mean, that is the number one way that I have found success in any sort of outbound effort is going and talking to my target personas at my company and learning about their business. The same way that you're learning about what my inbox looks like, go and find out what your internal team, what their inbox looks like what their LinkedIn presence is like and try and craft a strategy around that.
0: Yeah, internal, but also external, like the amount of people that I've reached out to who are my ICP just asking for a bit of help because I want to improve. And the response rate is so high. And even when I've been at my other roles and I've sold to different personas, the response rate is still so high because you're not trying to sell them. You're you're asking for help and people want to help so it's such a good point because obviously um being in sales and being in it you probably want to be communicated with probably in a, a slightly different way um like you mentioned your linkedin inbox is hectic so maybe you prefer another channel but um yeah it's so true to just reach out especially internally i think people forget that your prospect your icp is internal as well as external so yeah great point so i uh, can guess what the channel is or what the medium is that you're going to say, but I, I'm interested in the best outreach that you've got. And like I mentioned, I'm guessing it's going to be like a LinkedIn voice note or a video, but yeah, an example of the best outreach that you've got.
1: I, so I've gotten plenty of really good videos and plenty of really good uh, voice messages. And again, like I've, ha- I've had fun and a lot of times Charlotte, they're similar to what you just said, like, Hey, can you just help me navigate your business a little bit better? Like, tell me about what HR software you use? I'm like, sure, I'll tell you. (laughs) And so it's just informing their perspective. And so little bits like that are, they don't seem like they're super impactful, but they are. Um, So I would encourage people to do exactly what you just said, like just cast a lot of lines and see where you get bites and build, especially if you're prospecting into an enterprise account, just build a stronger perspective on who you're selling into. Um, But for me, the most memorable email I've ever gotten was um, an email. Uh, not it was not anything fancier than that. But what I liked about it was how personalized it was, and how well I'll just tell you what it was. So at my previous company, we were Salesloft users, and on our on my LinkedIn profile, I say that I'm the owner of Corgis. I'm a proud Corgi owner, and I am. Corgis are the best dogs. No offense to yours. And <laughs> this what this person <laughs> what this person said um, was their subject line was "small but mighty," and I was like. I don't know what this is but okay and i opened the email and it said um hey saw on your linkedin profile that you're a corgi Corgi owner corgis are the best blah 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 like corgis our solution is small but mighty we're not as big as sales loft might be but we do this 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 and this and i was like that was very that was well done and for whatever reason like it's not super complex it wasn't a super long note it was maybe 75 words but it was clever. It was original. I've never gotten anything like it again. And it has stuck with me for five years. <laughs> so they're doing something right. Cause they hit on something that resonated with me. Obviously they, they solved pain and we didn't switch from sales loft. Don't worry. Um, yeah. We, they, <laughs> I know they resonated with things that I, they knew I care about. You know, what are pain points that, that SDR leaders experience. And they resonated with something personally about me that they saw and they tied those two things together. And so for me, it was, the, the cleverness of the segue between the personalized research and then the value prop was something that really stuck with me. Now you'll see me talk a lot about this because when done well, it really sticks out. When you see that somebody lives in Brighton and you can talk about the, you know, the Brighton seagulls and the, the uh, whatever else may exist out by the sea, and you can tie that into some sort of business value prop, like that's That's effective personalization and that's effective resonance. And for me, those are always the types of things that that really stick with me. And by the way, you can write an email like that and then use that as your voicemail script. Use that as your LinkedIn messaging script. Like you don't have to reinvent the messaging wheel every time you reach out to somebody. So if you write a solid email, it can and should be repurposed into a video, into LinkedIn, into whatever else. And that's the way that you scale a lot of these personalized efforts.
0: 100%. Just like marketing, they don't just create one ebook. They'll then use that ebook and create it into a webinar and then create it into an email. And so many other channels, they'll then utilize that one piece of information. It's the same for I was like, I reuse what I've sent them in a video on day one. I will have that in script writing to then say on the phone, but then also say in a in an email, maybe like, 10 days after so yeah you're right you can reuse the information you don't have to recreate personalization every single time because it's just going to take way too long this probably ties quite nicely into my last and final question but um this is a topic I've been thinking about quite a lot recently and it's the future of prospecting. And you've already spoken about how you can tie something like personal and personalized into gaining someone's attention. But in my opinion, I don't necessarily think that following the SDR rules of engagement and the typical personalization outreach is actually enough, or it won't necessarily be enough in the future. So if we think about it, we've all adopted a very similar structure of messaging over time, things like Saw on your LinkedIn and stuff like that, which ticks that box of personalization and it ticks that good outreach. But I'm not sure if it's enough in two, three, four years' time to stand out in our hectic inbox. And companies, I did a post about this, and companies like Thursday are doing this so well in the marketing space. So they're disrupting normal marketing and they're doing really weird and wacky things like getting an intern to dress up and projecting Adverts physically with a projector projecting them onto tubes and stuff like that and I feel like these out there and crazy tactics are going to become a necessity in sales as well Um, so I wanted to hear your thoughts around this I've been thinking about this so much recently I've probably been biting off all my colleagues ears about this topic I want to hear your thoughts around it and the future of prospecting
1: it's, it's such a good one. Thursday is a, a great example of this. Although, you know, the, the B2B or B2C is a little yeah. bit easier. You can get away with a little more creativity there because there's less guardedness yeah. um, about it. But I, I think that B2C in, in many cases is ahead of what B2B is doing. And so I think you're right that we'll see some sort of, um, I don't know, a copycat uh, approach to B2B marketing or B2B outbound. Um, when I started as an SDR, I went door to door. I went up to San Francisco. I was I was working in a smaller town called Santa Cruz, maybe an hour and a half away from San Francisco. Literally went to San Francisco and went into startup incubators and just was like you know shirt and tie going around with a little suitcase like a Fuller Brush a Fuller Brush salesman and just like pitching oh as much as I could to whoever I could about what we were doing and it's things like that that it's somewhat cycl- cyclical. Some of these things are somewhat cyclical and. I guess all this is to say that you you do whatever you have to do to stand out. And the big shift here is quality over quantity. Like you, you just can't, even today, I guess today you can still kind of get away with the quantity game, but in two years, in five years, that just won't be the case. You're going to have to develop an understanding of a couple really important things, which is not just what your company does and what that company does that you're selling to, but what that company's highest level initiatives are and how your company can support that. And so you need to be positioning yourself way earlier in the sales cycle as somebody who really understands, has a high level of business acumen, really understands corporate strategies, and then can speak to those strategies. So to me, Charlotte, it's less about the tactics themselves, and it's more about the the messaging and the approach that you take to messaging. And positioning yourself as a true value add, a true trusted advisor, as they say, as early as possible yeah. is something that will really, really make you stand out and something that's really hard to replicate because it's not easy to go to a company's press release or go to a company's 10K, figure out what their uh, high level strategies are, and then see who, which players at their company are responsible for the realization of those strategies. And then crafting messaging that has something to do with how you can help that person realize that, right. Like that's a multi-step process that AI, God bless them, probably won't be able to do in any streamlined way. Like it still takes human eyes. And so it's a really long way of saying that I'm really excited about this trend. STRs have to develop more business acumen. They have to understand what really matters to a company and go beyond the feature function of the product or service they're selling and into the more strategic value delivery that their product or service really enables. And if you can tie and connect all those dots together for your prospect, that is how you're gonna get their attention. And when you, whatever you do, whether you send an email or video or LinkedIn, or you go door to door, like if you have that lens into their business, that is what will make you stand out. And so that's the trend. Um, So I'm sorry, it's not that exciting of an answer, but I think it's, it's like kind of fundamental. It's taking the things that the best AEs do and just moving it up the funnel. Just, that's all it is. We're just shifting uh, the expectations up the funnel so that marketing and SDR have a much better understanding of how to be a trusted advisor, as opposed to just being somebody who is, you know, opening up your coat and selling watches in Times Square. Like it's not about that. It really is m- much more about them and the long-term value that they'll get from partnering with you.
0: Yeah. So your view is it's going to be way more targeted and require a lot more research and connecting it more to their strategic goals rather than kind of features and functions what would your advice be to an SDR in regards to how they can find out that information about a company um a lot of companies won't necessarily have 10ks and stuff like that so maybe more of a mid-sized company how can an SDR go and find out that kind of information that they can then link to company goals
1: yeah, it's a great question Charlie. It depends on what you're selling i'll give you an example of, of what we do at clary we're, we're selling to put it very simply we we sell a lot of forecasting software and we're really useful for companies once you have a critical mass of sellers who are handling some critical mass of opportunities at, at any given time if you only have one seller who's handling three ops you don't necessarily need software as robust as ours so what we look for is very simple. We at, at smaller companies, say in like the hundred to five hundred range, we just look at, at their LinkedIn um, insights and just see how many salespeople have you hired over the last six or twelve months. And if we see that you've doubled or tripled or quadrupled or whatever your sales team over that time frame, we know that they you're experiencing some pain. We know that you're in hyper growth mode. You probably just raised some level of funding in that funding announcement. You probably said you're expanding internationally or you're introducing this new product line or you're merging with this company or whatever. And now we know and we can uh, we can sort of say these are the highest level strategic initiatives. Here are the problems that you're likely going to run into during this phase of hyper growth. And here's how we can help you avoid some of those pitfalls and get ahead of some of the competition and continue this amazing trajectory that you're on. So uh, it depends on what you're selling, but you can infer a lot based on signals that you can gather from press releases and from what companies are publishing about themselves. And during funding announcements, what they're saying that they're focused on from interviews that the C-suite does and what the CEO says he's, he or she is focused on. Like, all these things are, are signals and it's up to you to package them together into how your product can help.
0: It's just that one extra step of research that you need to be doing for, especially those tier one accounts, things like like you mentioned like press release and actually reading funding announcements instead of just sending emails being like congratulations here's my product where it actually tells you exactly what their focus now is with all this money that they've raised so yeah um yeah interesting interesting point i'm interested to hear other people's answers as well because my brain is torn between yeah this research side of things but also are we going to start moving more towards the, like you mentioned, the trends in the B2C space being more wacky and out there? But thanks, Carl, for joining me on episode number one. Such amazing knowledge nuggets. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Hopefully see you next time on episode number two.